Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. We're coming to you today from Gadigal Land, part of the Eora Nation. We want to start with our acknowledging elders past, present and emerging and pay our respects and our gratitude for their care of this land for thousands of years. Now down to the podcast. I'm Rhonda Brighton-Hall and I'm joined by James Hancock. Great to be here, Rhonda. Always great to be here, James. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> so authentic and sincere. <laughs> it is always a pleasure. I quite like this conversation we have. Me too. We've got good topics today. We do have really good topics today. So as usual, we're doing three topics. First one, and we're going to talk about some work that we've been doing and some lessons that we're learning from what's currently going on in culture and culture transformation. Yeah. Then we're going to move across to talk about critics. Yep. Ooh. Yes, it's true. We're going to talk about critics. <laughs> yep. And then we're going to go across and talk about some good news, and we'll leave that for a surprise at the end. Okay, right. let's talk about the work that we've been doing. You wrote a great article on this last week, and um, I just think there's some, because we're doing such broad, a breadth of work at the moment, yeah, yeah. it's actually really good things. So you sort of went through a couple of big banks, big universities, some big federal departments, a couple of state departments, big health funds, healthcare companies. There's a bunch of stuff going on. So, yeah. But there's really, really strong themes. So talk to us about what are the themes that everybody seems to be sharing at the moment. Yeah, so there's a few. I think I put down five in the article, something like that, um, and came from, as you say, a range of conversations with different people, work we've done, things we've read and everything. Yeah. So it's a real yeah. kind of uh, a cross-section. The first one that we really spoke about was the cyclical nature of the power balance between employer and employee and every conversation we have has a version or a flavor or an undercurrent of this in some way you know that even though i didn't write it in the article because the article came up just before but the whole gurna debate or whatever gurna i got got tagged into that i got tagged into that to to comment that was really wild yeah it was sort of like everyone get unemployed so we can just make sure it was like wild anyway it was um so that i can replaster my house that was very odd very odd but effectively our our take on the cyclical nature is that um before the pandemic let's say um organizations had sort of the overweight power slightly in their favor um, if you want to put it, I sound like a union rep or something. It's not <laughs> intentional. I'm, I'm saying it should be quite even. I think that's a good place for it to be. Um, uh, the pandemic meant because conditions changed quite quickly in a range of ways, not in, in every job, but in a good portion of jobs, hmm. um, went a bit more to the employee, hey, we just got to find a way to be a bit more balanced again, I reckon. Hmm. Um, that was our topic. That's a topic that employers are thinking about, employees are thinking about, and also leaders are thinking about as you know navigating through this in organisations. So that was really interesting. Cyclical power balance is the first topic. And we've seen it before. We've seen it go oh, from totally. employer to employee and back again. So I think that that will continue. Yes. And I think there are increasingly mature and sophisticated conversations where it needs to be fair. There are, yeah. Um, but also working well. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it's a really interesting one, that one. Yeah. And it goes to the second one that's come out a lot. And so we've so we summarised it as work patterns remain a polarising topic. Because literally, um, you have one camp, let's say, far over here, and they just want to say, I don't want to talk about my work pattern, I want to just do great work. And other people are like, I just want to tell you about my work pattern. I don't want to talk about work, just the pattern. And you're like, that's super interesting. Like, it's great you work from home on Friday, I'm relaxed about it. Like, because I want to talk about the first one. So um, don't tell me that again, unless it's really, if it's about 
where it crosses over nicely into the first one is where it's making sure people do good work together and that they're you know able to work in small like in it, teams and oh gosh clusters, it's such but, a, it's such an interesting one isn't it i think because i've spent a lot of my career in global companies yeah. Because we're used to the fact that someone's working while we're asleep or whatever it happens yeah, to be or it. having yeah. a weekend or whatever it is, we those emails, and we said, oh, we're going to fix work-life balance by writing on my email, I'm not answering your email because I don't feel like it or whatever it is. I'm having a nap or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It just became this email. Now, now I'm reading an email about your nap. I'm yeah. re- I don't care. Like, just answer it when you feel like it. I'm not like, I'm hanging on it. If it was really urgent, I'd call you. you know? So... People have this, this yeah, let's talk about how I'm working. I want to describe it to you yeah. and explain it to you. And it's like, yeah, it is a bit old. Whereas we're actually talking about someone's work and what they're achieving and doing, yeah. infinitely better conversation. I think that one, and I, and I respect the intent is good, but the one where it says I'm responding to your email now because of the time that suits me. And yeah. I'm like, awesome. And that's also when I respond to emails. Yeah. But it's like a... It sort of casts a judgment out on you for when you're writing your emails. I'm like, I don't know what it means. I think I'm better just doing, doing it as it is. And no also, pressure on you. You write back when you're ready. I'm good. And, and tell and respond. Don't tell me why you're describing or when you're describing or how that's you're right. napping or whatever. That's it happens right. to be. Just yeah, sure. Okay. Work what's the answer? Ready. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, that's it. I think it's there's some weird stuff out there. Um, work patterns are polarizing. They stop. are, <laughs> but stop. work is not. People no. are joyful when people are doing good work. They actually go, "Wow, that's really cool." And it's go what, you. It's what, yeah, it's what we should be talking about. Um, yeah. The third one that came through loud and clear in a range of conversations is that culture change and transformation are high on the agenda for organisations, and of course, particularly for um, people and culture professionals everywhere. Yep. We put lots of things in there, including real data insights from us. Yeah. So we ask in our culture measurement, which is also a key kind of topic around that. Um, we ask about how people expect an organisation to act, and also through change and transformation. And most people say um, uh, that they want it to be agile and flexible. They understand that organisations need to change. But what we've seen, and increasingly post-pandemic in the world we're in now, etc., is that people are like, "Just tell me what to do." Tell me what to More do. More than we ever have been. It's and, and as really a leader, I'm like, oh my goodness, the world changed. We just need yeah. to get things going. So they're talking about growth, agility, moving forward, yeah. future-proofing. They're really going very quickly. Yeah. And people are going, just tell me what you need me to do. I get it. I understand everything's changed. Want to help you. Let's go. Yeah. And then we've got people going, no, I need to talk about the structure of the organization for the next six months. Yeah. And people are going, we haven't got six months. Yeah. And it's a really interesting one if you layer that work patterns as a polarizing topic into that conversation is, is it the people that are want to talk about work that want to have that consultation and people that want to work in a very fixed pattern want to have just tell me what to do we haven't quite got you know a great data set on that yet i think it's fascinating sort of making i'm making some assumptions on that um but it'd be very interesting to see how work pattern and then you know in great detail and then close into your 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 navigation of culture change and transformation so that's a really good set of three. So cyclical power of employer, power between employer and employee, that constant oscillation, which has been outbalanced and rebalancing now. Mm-hmm. Work patterns remaining a polarizing topic versus yeah. the actual work. Yeah. Culture change, culture transformation, and trying to keep agile and keep everything moving along, number three. Yeah. And then this, this next one, I really want to hear about this. Yeah, so I think we've called it the obligation um, duty to care about yeah. the work that you're doing. Some... Um, professions like in health and um, things like that it's the whole job everything that you do and in others in what we're seeing is basically people saying this work is just transactional and my obligation to care is limited and I just take the to make three months. widgets 
And that sort of super transactional approach where we really don't care about the person who's receiving our work, this person we're working for, person yeah. we're working next to, yeah. is pretty hollow yeah. as a way of life because work is an important part of life, right? So doing your best and caring about the people you're contributing to is super important. Yeah, absolutely. And finally. And finally. <laughs> it'll all boil down to the most grand message of all time, which is basically we need to find the balance between all of these factors above, is what we said. Um, a happy medium um, between the polarity. So power balance shouldn't be too one way or the other between employer and employee. Yeah. Shouldn't be only work grinding and not working and just thinking pattern only and not talking about the work you do. Needs to be a happy medium there. Um, we need to be absolutely obliged to care, want to care, and everything else. Um, and that we need to find great ways to navigate change, transformation, etc. So it's like finding the happy medium all the way through that. It's not to one way or the other I think is where we land yeah which I think a big a big part of that is having conversations a bit nuanced like yeah step into the grey we're not going to be perfectly right yeah but let's see what we can do I think it's yeah I agree with you cool they're the big themes (laughs) that we found I think they're really good themes and I think that the fact that they're across such different industries and such different ways of thinking about things is really quite fascinating The the second topic we want to talk about is something that we've been working on and talking and writing on actually this week, which is this some, um, I, I just call them insufferable critics. <laughs> yeah. I got called an insufferable optimist the other day. I yeah. think I took it as a compliment. But the other side to it is this sort of people who think that it's their lot in life to criticize the rest of us. And like we get De Bono's hat, like the black hat of what's the risks, what's the gaps, what are we going to miss, you know, all that sort of jazz. That's fairly sensible but the question is when every time you turn up you turn up to say let me tell you what everyone else has got wrong yeah even the I, when you when we were talking about this as a concept you know and i think it's such a fascinating one even if you think about jobs that are literally like you are an art critic or a food critic or something i thought about that like there are jobs that are built to critique right like but they usually love what they're critiquing. They love, what love food or love art. They love the topic. And it's even though, you know, there's like movies and dramatizations about them being the world's worst people, fashion, whatever, like, you know, they love it. And also it's very rare that they're only full of deep hatred or, you know, the critique comes out so horribly. It's actually normally comes out from a place of great love for what they're doing, as you say. I think it's that one for me is but, really important. And I think most of us sort of like no one's perfect and we all get it and so when we see someone else not being perfect we sort of don't go let me tell you where you're not perfect we sort of go wow 98% you are awesome I'm going to talk about that 98% not the 2% shortfall but then there's these people who've like oh my ability to criticise you for the 2% is my superpower and you're like okay so the narrative is I can ask tough questions I can call out things I can do all this but really all they're calling out is stuff the rest of us can see we've just Decided to concentrate. Decided to talk about the other side of it, so we're not just constantly doing it. But I did find some really good articles on how to deal with these sort of super critics. Because when you're trying to build leadership or culture or anything else, Mm. you actually you do have to deal with these critics, but you can't deal with them for too long. Otherwise, the whole conversation about what could we be, how could we be, what is our community, what are we trying to build, you get caught up in this. Let's talk about the two percent again, and it's Mm. like, okay, we can. So the, the best one I found gave you a couple of really key points and it was like, first of all, consider the source. So if the person is, doesn't know what you're talking about, like they, they don't know anything about art, so when they criticise you, right, don't worry about it. Done. <laughs> don't take it personally. 
because criticism often comes from a person who is more reflective of themselves yeah. than it is of the person that they're criticising. Yeah. Um, take a moment. So rather than go, what? Don't react to the moment. Yeah. Just sort of take a moment. Mm. Yeah. Just kind of pause on that one for a minute. Nice. And my personal favourite. Oh, God. Become a rock. Okay. Just don't respond. A rock opposed <laughs> to the rock, yeah. Not because the that, rock. Like, that's rock. gonna take a lot of eating and a lot of training. <laughs> <laughs> so it literally is answers and one of the ones that I always encourage people, like if someone says something that's like, Oh my god, that's just so mind blowingly unhelpful yeah. um, rather than argue with them or explain to them how it's unhelpful, sometimes you just say something that's sort of non deflective. So you say something like, I have not heard that put that way before, thank you. Yeah. So it's not actually taking on board, just I hear it, but I'm not going to get all caught up in that. I think there's such a fine line between, like, whatever you want to call it, like, subtractive critique. So, like, I don't know, I'm trying to pull pull someone down, opposed to valuable feedback where you actually get behind it and are willing to go, yeah, I called out that I noticed a problem or something we could do better or whatever, as long as you're then going to go and make it better. Yeah. I'm really adamant on that. I think it's like well, that sucked. Okay, great. Good luck to you. If it's like, <laughs> could have been a bit better, now let's work on it. I've got an idea. That's okay. That's really different. <laughs> Happy with that. The best people are. That's the insufferable optimist. Yeah. The critique one, like, I don't know. <laughs> Please keep away. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it any better than that. Um, but they're great suggestions on how to deal with it. And the last one's just taking an empathetic approach. A lot of people yeah. that tend to try and hurt people are usually hurting pretty badly themselves. They just sort of hear them and, be kind back and they'll move on to a better place with a bit of luck. Yeah, I love that. that that's a, such an interesting topic too. Really cool. It is a super interesting topic. And the last thing we wanted to talk about was some good news. And yeah. and there's so many examples. But I wanted to call out one and then we're going to talk about yeah, a special one. Yeah, sure. I wanted to call out this these people as a balance to insufferable critics. Yeah. There's also these people who are phenomenal cheerleaders. They're just mm. one of those people just lifting things all the time. And there's two I want to call out this week that I've just been watching. I'm... Um, friends with them yeah. and I know them and I'm just so inspired by them. One is the work that Ming Long has done in AICD to lift up company directors towards the yes for the voice. But equally, every day you look at what she's doing and she's calling out something positive about what someone else is doing. Yeah. She's respecting their work, their contribution, their effort, their thought. Even people who argue with her, she appreciates it and goes and has a good argument. Yeah. It's yeah. just so awesome the way she cheers people into a better conversation. She lifts the conversation every single time. Second one is Bobby Marler, who not only her own media company, of course, that she's now chairing, and Mentor Walks, which she helped found, and all this, but a thousand examples of where she's now on the board of women in media. She's leaping up and helping people who are looking after um, newborns that were born in a pretty tough way. Just so many examples of her stepping up and cheering on other people's contributions, and it's just so inspiring. And the final one. This one's a good one. Too, right? <laughs> the, it's also a good one. Is the Fijian rugby team, isn't it? Like we always find a way team. to get a small one in there. I do appreciate that. We all love it. <laughs> we do. Get it. Um, not only the fact that they had a pretty amazing win over the Wallabies with a, you know, a team in many forms of rugby that have always been amazingly talented, but I think what you shared with me a little earlier was the team song on the bus, like you know, on route up How the back cool of the bus. That? There was a little video. How just, cool just beautiful. That? Beautiful voice, beautiful song, and beautiful on the field. Yeah, and hard-hitting. It's like hard-hitting, beautiful <laughs> voice. It's like it's a real interesting... Yeah, like every other Australian, I feel sad when the Wallabies lose, but gee, yeah. when they lost to them, you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. They're, they're yeah. great, and, and hopefully they'll go... Wouldn't it be great if they went all the way? Love Find it. out. Happy to back, yeah. Yeah. Good. 
And that's all from us. And as we always say, um, keep listening. Keep listening to us, hopefully, but also to your own intuition, to what's going on around you and to each other. Thank you.